Well, as we are going to uh, be looking at Psalms through the summer, um, before we dive into the detail of Psalm 1 in particular, I thought we might think just a little bit about the Psalms as a whole. The book of Psalms within the Bible comes in the Old Testament and um, reflect on what they are. Uh, And I do need a little bit of help for this from some of you. So I'm looking for people who have a favorite musical. Now it could be musical theater or it could be a film of any sort, an animation or a, or West Side Story or anything else. So does anyone have a favorite musical? Oh yes, we have a, we have a starter for 10. Come on over here. Right, favorite musical is? West Side Story. West Side Story, okay. Right, I'm gonna come back to you in a minute. We have another one. Les Miserables. Les Miserables, very good. Les, Les Miserables. So growing up in the north, I always thought it was Les Miserables. You see. Well, same again. Because I knew him quite well. Another vote for Les Miserables. Another vote, another vote for Les Miserables. Right, okay. Any more? We've got one more, okay. I'm going to have to run around keeping me fit this morning. Here we go. I should have put Strava on. It would count as a few miles. Okay. Right. Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Splendid. Okay, right. Now, we're going to go back round, and the question is, now I find out how genuinely keen you are on it, what is the opening song? <laughs> What's the opening song of your favourite musical? So the opening song of West Side Story is... Oh... No, I uh, can't remember, never mind. Does anyone know? Anyone, does anyone know the opening song of West Side Story? Uh, the Overture, yeah, that's a good, good answer, good answer. Right. The Jets? The Jets? Okay. It's the Jets, okay. Right, what, where were we next? We were Les Miserables next. Do we have any idea? Trevor was waving, I'm going, okay, we're going back to Trevor. Few more miles. There we go. Hi, Rob. Uh, round and round and round. The opening song of Lady's Rob. But it starts about looking down. It's, down. it's all the miserables looking down. Looking Rob down. Okay, right. Looking down. And then I've got to go all the way back round here and see if I can remember what the other musical was. Thank you. The opening song of Phantom of the Opera is, or might be. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Any, anyone else know? Anyone know the opening song of Phantom of the Opera? No, okay. Right, I'll give you mine. I've been thinking about this all week. Okay, so my favourite opera is The Lion King. Yeah? And the opening song, I think, from memory, is The Circle of Life. Yeah? I would give you a quick blast, but I can't really sing very well, so I won't. Okay. But <clears throat> I hope this illustration is going to work. It might not. <laughs> but often, the opening song of a musical kind of sets the scene and encapsulates the whole story in, uh, you know, in a nutshell, doesn't it? Um, so the West Side Story, the opening song, if it's about the Jets, 
It's all about the two, West Side Story is the two gangs, isn't it? The Montagues and the Capulet. They're, they're mimicking Romeo and Juliet. So it's all about the conflict between the two gangs. So the song about the Jets kind of encapsulates that in a nutshell, doesn't it? Um, Les Miserables, Look Down, it encapsulates the whole story, which is about how the people are being downtrodden in France at the time of the revolution. Yeah, the misery of the people. Uh, and how that is redeemed and overcome in the life of one particular person. And the Lion King, it's the circle of life. It's all about one king dying and his son growing up and becoming the next king and the tribulations there are along the way. So the opening number kind of encapsulates the story as a whole, in a way. You may be wondering what that's got to do with the Psalms. But here's an idea for you. So... Um, the Psalms give various clues that they were intended to be sung because they're written in a poetic form and there's lots of mention in various of them to musical instruments. So the general supposition is that they were sung, that they were songs. So my way of thinking about the Old Testament, basically, is that it's a musical, yeah, because there's lots of stories in it. There's a story of creation, and there's a story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there's a story of coming to the promised land with Moses, and then there's a story of King Saul and King David and King Solomon, and then all those other kings afterwards. And sometimes things went well, and sometimes things went badly. It's mainly just a great long story. So what are the Psalms doing there? Well, the Psalms are songs which belong to various points along the way in the story. So therefore, I think that means the Old Testament must be a musical and the Psalms is the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah? So when a musical film comes out and you can buy the soundtrack on a CD or whatever, and you get just the songs, going to the Psalms is a bit like that. You get just the songs that belong throughout this long story, which is the Old Testament as a whole. That's what I think, anyway. You won't find that in a textbook, but it <coughs> gets me through the day. Okay, so if that's the case, Psalm 1 is a really important one to look at because it will set the scene, it will encapsulate the whole thing. It will basically say, here's the fundamental thing that you need to know to hold in mind whilst you're listening to all the rest of the songs or whilst you're following the, along to the whole of the rest of the story. So it's a good one to start with for that reason. So let's turn to it now. Peter, sorry, could we just, the last verse, can we put it back up on the screen for a moment? Sorry to uh, disrupt your flow. There we go. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So let's see what Psalm 1 is saying to us, what sort of ideas it encapsulates, and hold that as the sort of the undergirding principle for the, all the other Psalms that we'll look at as we go through the summer. Psalm 1 essentially says something very simple. It's probably an oversimplification in a way, which might make us cringe slightly. But sometimes it's just helpful to oversimplify, to get a message across that really matters. And the message is a very simple contrast. And it's expressed in this version of the psalm in this way. The Lord protects everyone who follows him. But the wicked 
follow a road that leads to ruin. So Psalm 1, the starting point of the Psalms, the soundtrack for the whole of the Old Testament, in a way, says something very simple, that there are two sorts of people, or there are two ways to live. There's God's way, and there's the bad way. The good way and the bad way. Following God or rejecting God. Now, if you're anything like me, you will immediately want to say, hang on a minute, (laughs) life's not as simple as that. It's not always really obvious who are the goodies and who are the baddies, because we're all a bit mixed, aren't we? You know, I mean, we probably hope that we're amongst the people who are following God and trying to do what's right, and yet we've already confessed our own sins and failings. So, hmm, not quite as simple as that. And that's right. But every now and again, it's helpful just to remind ourselves of the absolute basics, the fundaments, the fundamental principles here that there is a clear distinction between going God's way or turning away from God, doing what's right or doing what's wrong. Now, sometimes that's very, very stark and very obvious. Sometimes it's actually really complicated and difficult to work out. But we shouldn't allow the difficult occasions or the complicated occasions to make us think that there isn't really a right or a wrong. Because there is, fundamentally, either we're seeking after God and wanting to do what's right in God's eyes, or we're not, or we're turning away from God. Now, it's exaggerated here, so the people who are turning away from God are referred to as the wicked, which sounds a bit harsh, um, but it's probably an exaggeration for rhetorical effect. It's just emphasising the contrast. So let's just work with that contrast and see how it's expressed. Well, the main way that it's expressed is through an image. Peter, let's go for the images now. The image is of either a tree which is planted beside water and therefore thrives. Water is necessary for life. It's almost synonymous with life. And a tree which is well watered and which has also the nutrients it needs will flourish. It will have leaves which are strong and may be colourful. It will produce fruit or seeds. It will grow and get bigger. It will be strong. In contrast to that, a tree or a plant which does not have water, that does not have the source of life, will itself die. It will dry up. It will fall apart. Bits will break off. It will become lifeless. And those broken, lifeless bits will then just blow on the wind. They'll be carried away. They'll be pointless. They'll be fruitless. They will achieve nothing. It's a very stark image brings out that basic contrast which the psalmist wants to convey. That God is the source of life. So going towards God, seeking after God, will always produce life. Turning away from God results in the opposite of that. Desiccation, dryness, sterility, barrenness. 
Thank you, Peter. We'll, we'll take, don't want to leave that one on the screen, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on. And the fundamental message which underlies that, which the psalm opens with, is that God blesses those who seek to do what's right. God blesses you when you seek to do what's right, when you follow God's way. God is actively concerned for you. God is involved in your life. God is looking out for you. God is perhaps protecting you, as it says in the final verse. Um, Peter, I wonder if we can get the text of the psalm back up on the screen, and we probably want somewhere around verse 3, I think. Sorry to skip around so much. Um, Now, let's try verse 2 then. Right. Thank you. So what characterizes these people that God is going to bless? Well, they refuse evil advice, they won't follow sinners, and they won't join in sneering at God. But what do they do positively? They find happiness in the teaching of the Lord, and they think about it day and night. They find happiness in the teaching of the Lord, and they think about it day and night. Now, again, I have a problem here. Maybe it's a personality thing, but I can only think about one thing at a time. <laughs> if I'm trying to concentrate on something, there has to be complete silence. The, the, the slightest little distraction ruins it for me. So, Initially, I'm a bit bothered by this idea of I've got to think about the teaching of the law all the time because then I'm I'm not going to get anything done. I can't concentrate. I can't do anything else whatsoever. I'm going to be this... I'm going to turn into this incredibly godly and useless person. (laughs) And that doesn't quite seem right to me. So I've been trying to work out what this is talking about. Where do we come across the teaching of the Lord? Well, primarily, it's probably going to be the Bible, isn't it? But how do we experience the Bible? Well, we might well experience it through reading it, and that's fantastic. It's great, a real gift and privilege to have access to the Bible to be able to read it. And I know many of us use daily Bible reading notes, um, which are a real boon. They're a real aid, and they help us to do that. Um, Peter's got the bookstall open today, and there are lots of Bible reading notes available, aren't there, Peter, that can be ordered through the bookshop. So if, if you haven't used them before, if you think, well, I'd like to read the Bible every day and I just don't know where to start, Peter over there on the bookstore can point you in the right direction. You can use some daily notes to help you and to suggest what to read. So we might read the Bible every day. Um, but what struck me when I was thinking about this during the week was that most of the people that this psalm was written for would not have been readers. And even if they were, they would, they would, there were no Bibles available. So their ex- experience of the teaching of the law would have been what they heard. They would have had their family, perhaps their parents in particular, tell them the stories which are in the Bible. If they went to the temple, or later on if they went to the synagogue, they would have heard the Bible being read to them. So this isn't an instruction originally to go off and do lots of Bible reading. 
Rather, it's an instruction to hold in mind, to deliberately hold in mind, what they have already heard. To allow that to shape their thinking. So I think the idea here of finding happiness in the teaching of the Lord and thinking about it day and night is a more subtle idea that's to do with deliberately holding in mind all those stories, all those songs and psalms, um, all those bits of instruction which we've heard about in the Bible, which others have told us, or which we've read ourselves if we do read the Bible. It's about holding all of that in mind so that it shapes our thinking. So then as we go through the day and we have to make all those lots and lots of tiny decisions about how do I do this or which way do I go here or how do I reply to this person or you know, what do I do next in this relationship, that all of those little decisions we have to make, they're being shaped by holding in mind God's story as a whole, all those things we've heard and we've read about God's teaching. So, I mean, if you've got a favourite musical or a favourite story, that might happen anyway. You know, if you're... Um, I'm not sure West Side Story is going to help me here particularly, so that's all about conflict. But anyway... Um, let's, go, let's go with, with, uh, with Les, shall we? Let's go with Les Miserables. You know, there's a story about someone, if, if you don't know it, brief recap, someone who's in great adversity, who overcomes that adversity by doing what's good and right and helping other people. No, not too much of a spoiler. Is that, is that fair enough, Trevor? Will you let me get away with that? Please, just say yes and I'll carry on. Okay. Right. okay, so if you've got a story that you know is like that, that might inspire you, that might shape the way in which you go about living your own life. That's the kind of image I've got in my mind now for what this psalm is telling us. Find happiness in the teaching of the Lord. Think about it day and night. Find inspiration in what you have heard about the way God works in the world. Take your cue from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Jesus. Think about how they followed God and how you might take a principle or an ideal from that and apply it yourself. I think that's what is being suggested to us here. It's not that we just have to squirrel ourselves away and become very holy but useless. Rather, it's deliberately holding in mind the things that we have known and heard and read from the Bible. Uh, one way of doing that, a friend of mine was telling me, is to memorise. I, I heard from a friend just recently that they were taught at school that they had to memorise Psalm 1 and learn it off by heart. And that's something which many people have done over the years, is to take particular parts of the Bible and memorise them. And again, that's a way of deliberately, as it were, thinking about them day and night, planting it in our minds, choosing to hold it in our mind, not just letting it go in one ear and out the other when it gets to that bit of the service.
And there's something else that we can add to this. We're very privileged, and we maybe have something that the psalmist never anticipated. Because after the death and resurrection of Jesus, God sent the Holy Spirit. And God now relates to people in a much more direct and intimate way than was ever the case before. And the teaching of the Lord comes to us now not just in the stories of the Bible, but might actually come to us direct. When we sit quietly and listen, when we spend time in prayer, God might speak to any one of us. God can whisper into our hearts and minds. So we're not just left when we've got these complicated decisions to make, trying to work out what's right and what's wrong, you know, trying desperately to go through in our minds, is there anything I've ever heard in the Bible that is remotely helpful here? But we can also, as well as that, we can go straight to God. We can say to God, either quietly in our mind or out aloud, God, what do you think? Can you help me here? I'm puzzling over this. I don't know how to do this. Or I'm thinking about this situation and this person. What would be a good thing to do right now? And the Holy Spirit might just whisper in our ear, this is the way to go. This is the path. So off you go. So we're in a tremendous and privileged position and we have the encouragement through all of it that God blesses those people. God blesses those who seek after the Lord's teaching. God blesses those who want to do what's right. God blesses those who are walking towards him with the intention of growing closer to him. So let's take courage from that. Let's be glad, let's rejoice this morning that God blesses us um, as we seek to walk in God's ways.